it's good to see everyone tonight, and we want to welcome those that not only are here in the congregation, but those who are jumping on Facebook Live. Turn it down just a little bit. I think we're a little bit hot up here. Turn it down just a little bit. Don't want to get too much of an echo. Last week we had a little bit of an echo because we had a little issue, but uh, I guess most people could hear it. What I want to do tonight, if you read the post that I put on Facebook, about said Facebook Live, Facebook, I talked about wanting to go into Matthew chapter 24. And I want to talk about one was taken, the other was left. But let me just do a little background work on Matthew 24 because Matthew 24 has been taught eschatologically. It has been taught as in the end time or the latter days. And let me say something about latter days. The first one that came up with that phrase, latter days, was Buddha, by the way. But many, many people have not realized that Matthew 24 literally was written and was fulfilled in 70 AD in a literal sense. However, it was to Israel concerning 70 AD when Titus and the Roman soldiers came in and destroyed the temple and the city. But it's for us, to them, but for us. Now, the way we look at it then is allegorically or spiritually or symbolically. It talks there about nations rising against nations and kingdoms against kingdom and famines and pestilence and earthquakes. All of that is happening between our ears. Have you ever had a famine between your ears? Have you ever had some pestilence between your ears? A few. And even the book of Revelation was written to Israel and fulfilled in 70 AD. But it was written symbolically to them. It still was symbolic, the white horse, red horse, and all of that sort of thing. So they had to figure out the symbology, but then they had to apply that, and it was fulfilled in 70 AD. However, today now, for us, we look at the book of Revelation. He sent and signified. That means it was written in sign and symbol. Now, listen to this. Jesus would not, <coughs> Jesus would not talk to us today about literal wars. Right. He would talk to us about a war between our ears. Yes. yes. He wouldn't talk to us about a kingdom over here That's right. rising up against another kingdom. But he would talk about that happening in our awareness, and he would talk about that concerning a people that still have a warring mentality. Because yes. listen, Jesus, listen, if you can hear this, and I know you can, Jesus would not talk about wars and pestilence and famines in a literal sense. But now listen, he would get to the root of that. Yes. Mm -hmm. What is the root of kingdom rising against kingdom? What is the root of wars? Well, greed. Mankind, yes. what's yeah. between their ears. Like yeah. Jesus said, it's not that which is without that defies a man, but that which is within. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the, the root cause of wars and famines and, you know, even storms are a people and how they are having a storm between their ears. Yes. And then you get that collectively and universally, mm -hmm. what does it do? But it, even though there's one power, it can still release that which appears to be another power. Like in Isaiah, I think it's chapter 45, around verse 7, he said, I create the light and form the darkness. But the eye is the eye in us. Because the eye in us is the same eye that he was right. when we see our oneness. Mm -hmm. So I want to begin here tonight, and I may go back, I don't know, I may go back and do the whole chapter. But right now I just want to pull out several verses in Matthew 24. And first of all, verses 40 and 41 is what I want to read. Then we'll proceed further. But it says, Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. And we know how this has been taught eschatologically. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus is going to come back and this world is going to be thrust into a seven-year tribulation. Some are going to be raptured out of here. Some are going to be left on the earth to go through that. So then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Now, many Christians in, in Christian circles today teach what we call or what they call the rapture, and they teach it's flying off to a heavenly glory. You might be driving down the road in a convertible Cadillac, and all of a sudden, whoosh, you're out, and you've 
flown to heaven, and I don't know what's going to happen to the convertible Cadillac, but obviously it may harm someone, but that's what they teach. Now, perhaps they're engaged in a conversation. Let's say here in verses 40 and 41 that there are two people walking together in a field, or two women grinding in the mill, and they're in a conversation. Perhaps they're in a conversation together, and all of a sudden one disappears. You're like, hello, where'd you go? That's the way it's taught, literally. Now listen, rapture is actually a Buddhist term. The first person to come up with the word, and he didn't mean it in a literal sense, but a spiritual sense, the first person that used this word rapture was Buddha. So interestingly, rapture is one of the ten worlds of the different con levels of consciousness that Buddha taught. Now, I'm not saying I agree with what he taught. I'm just simply using that as an example. Christians have adopted the word rapture, but they've changed it from a spiritual experience into a literal experience. And I just looked it up when I made that post and gave the numbers and everything on it, if you read that post. And it means to love with a love embrace, but it means to take one unto yourself and to prefer one. Yeah, that's good. That's really what it means there. It doesn't mean to be physically caught up into some heavenly glory, but it means to be caught up from the lower senses or the lower thoughts to the higher Christ divine mind. So when we look here in Matthew 24, where it states there that two shall be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left, is that referring to a wheat field or a corn field or a bean field? Not at all. What is this field referring to? That's what we need to know. Now, first of all, if we read in Matthew chapter 13, 38, we can see that it says there that the world is the field. Yes. The world is the field, and so the field, I see this on two levels. The field, number one, involves us, and Jesus said we're in the world, a part of the world, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So you can readily see that if we're not of the world, that means we have been raptured or taken from a lower way of thinking, the left side, to the right side. That is so good. So it has nothing to do with two people walking in a field, as Matthew 24 talks about, and one disappears and one is left to go through a seven-year tribulation the way they teach it when they teach it literally. Now, Jeremiah said, and I'm not going to turn there, but it says he planted his vineyard by his right hand. So it's giving a comparison of those who are struggling in life, trying to sow seeds into fertile soil, and those who are struggling on the left side trying to raise their consciousness, but yet because they've heard so much teachers from the yes. tree of the knowledge of good and evil, as yes. Candy shared, they're having a hard time making that transition from the left side to the right side. So that's one of my opinions about this. Well, it's more than an opinion. It's my spiritual opinion of this. Now, also, the ancients, and listen to this, the ancients looked at a field as the human form, and they stated that he who knows how to enter in and to leave is in communion with the knower of the field. Okay? Those striving for freedom must constantly seek to understand the field and to obtain knowledge of the knower of the field. Now, I have a book. It's called G.A., I think it is, Gaskill. And I'm going to read some things to you from that particular book. If you're interested, I should, should have brought it. I almost brought it. But I'll bring it sometime. And if you're interested, you can see a lot of the writings of the ancients and what the ancients thought. So we must understand here, as Jesus said, two people will be in the field. And again, the ancients said that you must strive to constantly seek to understand the field how many, no quantum uses the field, we are yes. the field, which means you must come to understand your own thoughts. In other words, you must come, this is what the ancients say, you must come to understand the field, which we are, or in other words, understand what is going to take place within your life if you are drawing sin. 
quickly from the left side. That's what it means to know the field. But then you must also, the ancient says, come to know the knower of the field. How many know we know all things? We came here knowing all things, not understanding all things. And that's what we're doing now. Our spirit is revealing the all things that we objectively came here with. So Jesus then is saying two ways of thinking will be in a person. One will be taken, the other will be left. In other words, those who draw from the unfertile soil, from the left side in and of itself, of intellect, human reasoning, and logic, will be left to the destruction of the lower thoughts or the turmoil of the lower thoughts. But those who draw from the Christ mind, from the realm of spirit, from the right side or the fertile soil will be taken, meaning that they were taken from the lower to the higher. Taken from the lower, from the left side, to the higher, on the right side. And if you'll notice here, if you'll notice here in Matthew 24, 37 through 39, it also refers to the days of Noah. Now, in this series, we talked about the Ark of Noah, and if you recall, I shared with you that the Ark denotes consciousness. Consciousness. It denotes building a consciousness. So that you will be safe from the storm or from the world and the things that happen in the world. So those who were then in the lower consciousness experienced destruction while they were in that lower consciousness. They were the ones that were left. What were they left to? The left side. (laughs) They were left to the left side. But those that were taken were taken from the left side to the right side. And you see, because we, you and I, all of us have, now we may not stay there consistently, I have times where I vacillate back from the left to the right sometimes, and I have to talk to myself or go like this. Yeah. Get to the right side. <laughs> like I have some kind of a tick going on here. Get to the right side. And you see, because that we have gone into the higher or the right side, most of the people that we talk to have no clue what we're talking about. No, they don't. Why? Because they're still in the left side. Yes. Why can you understand these things today? Because you were taken at least to a degree. degree. You were taken to the right from the left side, Mm -hmm. not because you were favored, because everyone, God's no respecter of persons, everyone has come here with all things. Everyone has come here objectively righteous. Everyone has come here. No one has come here as a sinner. That was in our mind, Colossians 1.21. You were alienated or had a sense of separation, and you were sinners or you were enemies in your mind by wicked works. And wicked works is talking about sweat, toil, and heat. Works, in other words, sweat and toil in works. So because we were taken then from the left to the right, this is why that we can understand the things that the Spirit is revealing in this hour. We are in, we've entered the age of Aquarius, which means enlightenment. I'm going to do another message on that and show you some things, some preparation for the age of Aquarius and show you some things we can do, not by the energy of flesh, but by our nature, by our spirit, which is our nature, to really begin to experience this age of Aquarius. Now, if you'll go hang on to Matthew 24 and go to Luke 11 and verse 52. And I use this scripture many, many times, but hang on to Matthew 24 because we're going to go right back there. But here in Luke 11:52, it says, Woe unto you lawyers. Now, what are the lawyers? It's the people that interpret the scriptures literally. Hello. By the letter of the law. They interpret them just scripture or just literally, and they stay right there. They don't see what people are beginning to see today, that what was written to Israel was in a literal sense, and that was fulfilled. But what is for us today is parabolic, symbolic, allegorically, spiritual, symbolic. And we need to understand that that's very important. So it says, woe to you lawyers, those who interpret the word by the letter or literally. Ye have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye have not entered in yourselves. What is it talking about entering into what? Themselves. You have not entered in yourselves, and then that we're entering in, you hinder. How do you hinder? By teaching literally. In other words, you have not entered into the inner sanctum of yourself where understanding then is quickened. Mm -hmm. You are not knowing 
the knower of the field. How many know scripture says we will know as we are known? So not only do we need to know the field and what happens to the field when the field, us, is drawing from the left side, but we need to know the knower of the field, and that's our Father. We need to know that. Now, go back to Matthew chapter 24. So he says you're not entering in and you're hurting others because you're hindering them from entering in. See, we chase people away from the field. We can chase people away from the field if we do not give them the opportunity to be conversant with the knower of the field. And the only way we can help them to be conversant with the knower of the field is to minister parabolically, allegorically, spiritually, symbolically, the dark sayings, to minister spiritually to people. Now, in verse 41, again, two shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taking the other left. Now, the first thing we must understand, again, is that this is not to be looked at literally. It's not to be looked at literally. It is symbolic, allegorical language. And as I've said many, many times in this series, we need to interpret the word of God according to dark sayings. Now, a lot of people will see that word dark sayings, and they'll think, oh, darkness is ignorance. Can I tell you what darkness is? It's not just ignorance. Oh, it's that, yes. But darkness, you know, the Bible talks about the treasures in darkness. Darkness is meditation. When the children of Israel left Egyptian bondage, they came into the wilderness of meditation before they entered into the promised land and experienced the promised land. So the darkness is when we turn within in meditation to where deep calls unto deep. It's deep and it's dark in there. But that's where the light is. Treasures in darkness, see? That's where the light is. It's in the meditation. So the Bible is full. So let's not look at the word dark just as, you know, ignorance. How many know there's a right side and a left side to nearly everything in life? We talked about that, the one power and so forth. But I said in life, you can choose to draw from the one power, but you can also draw from the left side, and the one power becomes corrupted in or as an appearance of evil. And I gave the example of if I have an electrical problem in my home and I try to fix it myself, I could burn my house down. It's still one power. It's still one power, but I corrupted it by trying to remedy it by myself, and I created an appearance of evil. See? So that's what we do. Now, let's look at this again. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. One shall be taking the other left. So what we have to do if we want to understand this is that the woman here that is used, two women, the woman that is used here means can mean two things. Listen, it can be our lower emotions. Remember, Dan was on the north on our chart that we had. It can be our lower emotions. Women and wife can be represented, you know, our lower emotions, but listen, it can also represent when the two left and right become one and the lower emotions have created a vacuum or have yielded to the higher emotions or to the right side or to the Christ mind. When you see the word man, it means mind. Well, let me say it this way. Not only does it refer to the Christ mind and the realm of spirit, but it can also refer to, as Romans 8, 7 says, to be carnally mindful is death. So man can refer to the lower thoughts as well as the Christ mind. See, listen, let me say it this way. Our soul, and many, many people think the soul is just the mind, the will, and emotions. I believe the soul is the whole being, but let me just use it. Of course, included in the whole being is mind, will, and emotions. But soul is not just mind, will, and emotions. But I don't want to get off on that. Your soul, if you want to call it that, is a spiritual soul. Because you are spirit, slow down the visibility, Amen. spirit, soul, body. Mm -hmm. So our whole being is a spiritual being. Mm -hmm. So our soul objectively is a spiritual soul. But what happens is we allow lower thoughts. And I don't you know, talk too much about the mind of the left side because I think there's only one mind. But what we do is we allow lower thoughts. If lower thoughts are going to take up their abode in us, it's going to come through the left side in and of itself. Intellect, human reasoning, and logic. Okay? So I said that to say this. Man can represent the Christ mind and does represent the 
Christ's mind on the right side. But man can also represent the lower thoughts that we, and I've never said that before, I don't think, that we allow to come in when we're led by the left side in and of itself. And the left side is not submitted and yielded. So when Paul said that the wife must be subjected to the husband, listen, it means that the lower emotions must be, create the vacuum, or must be yielded to Christ's mind, otherwise you're going to have a bunch of chaos and trouble. You're going to have trouble if you live, you're going to create the trouble. We create the trouble and the chaos, you see. So where it says that there were two women grinding at the mill, we must realize that Jesus in Mark 4, 34 said that he never taught in any way but in a parable. And he gave this in Matthew 24. So he's not talking, he's not referring to women out there grinding wheat in a field. He's not talking about that literally. Now, to, to show this to you, hang on to Matthew 24 and look, if you will, in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 11. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11 to show you the spiritual implications of what we're talking about here. And let me just back up. When you're talking about women or wife, you're talking about the lower emotions, but you're also, when the two are joined together, talking about the emotions being yielded. When you talk about the man or men, you're talking about the Christ mind of the right side, but it can also refer to those of the lower. And, and we can look at the scriptures and see different men that were named. Well, one of them is Jacob. Thank God he moved from, he was taken. Yeah. Thank God Jacob was taken from the left side to the right side because his name means a conniver and a cheat and a thief and so forth. But he didn't stay there. He saw God face to face and he called the place Pineal or Peniel, which refers to the Pineal. He saw God face to face and his name was changed to Israel. What is Israel again? IS is the feminine principle. RA is the masculine principle. EL is the impulse of God within you. So we birthed the man child as a woman in Revelation chapter 12 that had the crown upon her head. She had the mind of Christ on. She was clothed with the sun, S-U-N. All of the energy fields were open within her. And the moon or emotions were under her feet. Okay? Didn't mean to say all of that, but it came out that way. So that, we're going to go with that, right? So here in 1 Timothy chapter 2... And verse 11. See, I just want you to see tonight that the left side can refer to men too. And the right side can refer, let me say it this way. We're not talking about gender. You know this. Yes, right. Every woman has a masculine principle. Every man has a feminine principle. Yeah, right. So we're not talking about gender whatsoever. But look what it says here in 1 Timothy 2, beginning with verse 11. It says there, it states, let the woman... Learn in silence with all subjection. What is this conveying? Now, I know how preachers have taken this literally. And some woman goes to, you know, a pastor for counsel, and the husband is beating the heck out of her. And he says, well, you know, the Bible says you got to submit to the man. And then she ends up getting killed. Yeah. Yeah, there's been stories yes. like that. Yeah. Nowhere in the Bible does it say the woman must submit to the man. Right. It talks about submitting one or yielding one to another. But nowhere does it say the woman must submit to the man as though the woman is less than or inferior. It doesn't say that anywhere. Because we have to look at it parabolically. We have to look at it symbolically. So it says there, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. And you know, I've said this before. My woman needs to put the shot to the egg when I'm up here ministering. It can't come out of just the emotions or, or the five cents realm or the body realm or can't come out of just human logic or human reasoning or just mere intellect, stuff that I've studied up and came up with because I think it's this way or that way. My woman has to be silent. Mm -hmm. And so does yours, men. Yes. 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 See? My man, my husband, my Christ realm has got to do the speaking, yep. has got to be silent with all subjection. Now listen to this. In Isaiah, I didn't even look up the scriptures. In Isaiah and Habakkuk, it says to let the earth be silent. Hmm. Well, the earth is the left side. Yeah. It says let the earth be silent or, in other words, yielded to spirit. Yeah. Zechariah says this. Be silent, all ye flesh, for or because he is raised up out of his holy habitation. So all of those verses are saying, keep your emotions in and of themselves quiet. Nothing wrong with emotions. And let me say this again. I've said it probably a hundred
nothing wrong with the left side. But when it operates in and of itself, something's wrong with that. It must be subjective, it must be, we must create the vacuum, we must yield it, and then fill our mind with the Christ mind. Now, to, to, to qualify that, let me say this. Eve was a helpmeet. One of the meanings of helpmeet is an equivalent. So Eve, that would represent the left side, okay, whether she's joined the two together or whether she's operating out of the left side in and of itself, is an equivalent to the right side. It takes two to tango. It takes two to make a baby. It takes two to birth something, right? So it takes our left and our right side together being joined as one. Now they're already one, just like heaven and earth are objectively one, but it sure doesn't look like earth is one. A lot of chaos out there. Objectively, heaven and earth are one, and it's the sons of men that have been given the earth to bring subjectively heaven and earth together. Yes. Now we do that first in here, then it'll happen out there. So Eve being the helpmeet means an equivalent. She was not inferior to Adam. She was not less than. She was not less knowledgeable. Now there was a time when it was called the paternal age when men ruled. You know why? I'm going to tell you why. Because they read the scriptures literally. And the treatment of women has been horrific. And many women need counseling today. You can't just tell them sometimes, well, you know, all you got to do is know that these words are parabolic. Sometimes it does take more than that. I'll be the first to admit, I used to counsel people. And I'm telling you that we need to understand that the main reason why women have been treated and demeaned and have been treated as less than men is because they took the scriptures and they interpreted them literally. I could show you some scriptures, and I may do a message on uh, some of the mistakes in the Bible and show you what the big mistake is. But, you know, there was a time when they would do gynecological exams on women, and if the woman wasn't a virgin, they'd stone them. But if they were a virgin, they'd get to go to the priest and have, have relations with the priest. Why? Simply because they read those scriptures in a literal sense. And it has, it, it has caused the demeaning, it has caused a lot of... I was raised in a church that said a woman could not speak in front of men, but yet they could teach Sunday school and they were teaching men. Well, what's right. the difference? Right. It's because they interpreted the scriptures literally. Yeah. Now, look at verse 12 of 1 Timothy 2. Didn't mean to say all that either. It says, But I suffer not a woman to teach, here's the big one they use, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. In other words... A person, be it a woman or a man, okay, must do what is said here. The woman must not, the woman, the left side in us, must not usurp authority over the right side. That's what it's saying. The emotions must not lead, but the Christ mind of the right side must lead. Otherwise, we're doing what it says here, where it says, I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. We're not to usurp authority over our husband, which is the right side of our Christ mind. Yeah. Yeah. Or, if we take this literally, we are insinuating that women are not as intelligent as men. But as I said, there was a patriarchal age where men ruled everything, and women were not allowed to do anything without, without asking their husband permission. You will not find that in the scriptures. I remember when I married, maybe I shouldn't say this, but when I married my, my grandson and his wife, I won't mention their name, but I was teaching this. I said, there's no way that you have to submit to this man. <laughs> but you yield to one another. And I saw her go. <laughs> she wanted to make sure he was hearing that. Now, I'm not saying that he would have been that way. I'm just simply saying when I ministered that message and, and, and joined them together in holy matrimony, I never said anything about till death do us part or till, you know, you've got to listen to this man, and if you don't listen to this man, you're not going to be blessed. And I could imagine what ha would have happened because they had, you know, they lost a baby and had some hardship in their life. And, you know, I could imagine maybe, you know, <laughs> they could have said, well, you didn't listen to me. Maybe that's why this happened. I don't know. I'm not saying that it would, but I'm 
will say. Now, look at verse 13. For Adam was first born, then Eve. So Adam, the Christ mind, listen, can choose to live out of the Christ mind or can choose to live out of the lower thoughts. Eve represents emotions. See, because you know that the word spirit is in the feminine gender. So Eve could draw on her own emotions of the left side in and of themselves, which we put on the north as Dan, or she can submit those emotions unto the Christ mind. But now listen, whatever was done in the situation with Adam and the woman, she was led by her own emotions. She saw the fruit. She probably tasted, her taste buds probably began to water. And she presented that to the man. So the man then had the thought. The man had the thought because the man speaks of mind, whether it's Christ's mind or lower thoughts. The man had the thought fueled by the emotions from the woman. See, any time our emotions begin to operate in and of themselves, then you come to a crossroad where you have to make the decision, am I going to go with the right Christ mind? Or am I going to, as Romans 8, 7 says, be mindful, which is the enemy, which is the carnal thoughts. Now, look at verse 14. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. So, the woman exercising the lower emotions fueled the thoughts in Adam, in the man. Mm -hmm. And he partook. See, the woman gets a bad rap even right here. But he partook in it too. Because his thought realm made the decision to partake for whatever reason from the emotions. So within you and I, first it's emotions, then we have to make the decision. Am I going to go with the lower emotions? Or am I going to go with the Christ's mind. Now listen to verse 15. Notwithstanding she, the emotions, notwithstanding she, the emotions, lower emotions here in this case, shall be saved. In childbearing, if she draw from the right side. It doesn't say that, but it's the same, the same thing. If she continue in faith, charity, holiness with sobriety. So saved in childbearing has nothing to do with having a baby, literally. It has to do with us birthing the man-child, birthing the Christ nature, you see. Being saved in this childbearing, what is the childbearing? The birthing of Christ. So I'm going to be saved in childbearing, even though I'm operating on my lower emotions, I can be saved where childbearing is concerned if I will, as it says, continue in faith, charity, holiness with sobriety. In other words, if I'll draw from the right side. Or, let me say it this way, if I will draw from the virgin consciousness. Because only the virgin consciousness, only the left side, remember I told you there's a part of the left side that has ever been touched by religion or man. And that's where the birthing takes place. Because, the, listen, the left side or the feminine principle is the projector that projects out to the screen of our life and brings about the birthing where when we're operating in the lower emotions, we can be saved in childbearing the birthing of Christ if we'll draw from the right side. Amen. See, that's what that's saying. And that's what Israel is. Did you know that Israel is an Egyptian term? <gasps> Israel, yeah, study that. Israel is an Egyptian term. I-S is what? I-S is the feminine principle. R-A is the masculine principle. E-L is the God impulse, or that which we birth, or produce the manifestation of, out of, as the two are joined together. It is formed in the left side. The feminine principle is where it is formed. And that's why, as I've said before, when you see the word angel, the Christ impulse is the E-L. A-N-G-E-L. And that's why all of the angels end with E-L, e -L, because it's the Christ impulse being birthed. Mm -hmm. So as it says here in verse 15, that she shall be saved in childbearing, which means that that which is the feminine principle is where Christ is projected from. Mm -hmm. Now, let me say it this way. When I call it the soul, I don't care what you call it. I call it the feminine principle. The feminine principle.
principle is what leads our life. Whoa. When it's joined to spirit, isn't it? As a man thinks in his heart, yep. so is he. Yep. Yep. Out of the heart flows the issues of life. Yep. Guard your heart for out of the heart, the feminine principle, flow the issues of life. Whatever you're going to experience is going to come out of the feminine principle. Yep. Yes, it's joined to the spirit. But even if it's not joined to the spirit, whatever is formed within yep. our feminine principle is going to find expression outwardly. Amen. Out of the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So words come out of whatever we form in the feminine principle. Now, back to Matthew 24, verse 41. Let's read that again. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, the other left. Now, what this is conveying here is that the spirit and emotions which takes the wheat, the woman grinding at the mill, okay? So in other words, the woman, the emotions, the spirit emotions are what? They're grinding at the mill. Now, wheat, in my Gaskell's book, now I know we used to teach that Wheat was the death of Christ and barley was the resurrection. I still hold to that. Because when you hear what wheat and barley represent here, wheat represents wisdom. Isn't the preaching of the cross the wisdom of God? See? It's the wisdom of God. And barley is love. Wasn't the resurrection the love of the Father to reveal the truth that was always the truth about us? So it is the emotional soul of the woman that is able to produce that which is the wheat and the barley. It produces it in the feminine principle of our being. And it is feminine. Wisdom is in the feminine gender. Read about it in Song of Song. Wisdom is feminine. Love is feminine. And even in the natural, love, the woman has more than loving. You know, the dad will talk to the kid and you know, whip his butt and do whatever he does. And they'll come running to mama. Because yeah. they know they're going to get love from mama. Yeah. See, so even in the natural, that's true. So the wisdom is feminine. Solomon talked about she, wisdom. Okay? And love, of course, is feminine as well. But now look what it says here. That which causes the energy in the energy fields to start grinding in us listen to this, is when the lower begins, when we begin to realize we're operating out of the lower, like I was a couple of weeks ago, and there was a grinding that was going on, a turning over that was going on within me. A grinding. Something was turning and churning on the inside. I knew better than to stay on the left side. I knew I needed to get on the right side, and it wasn't going to benefit me whatsoever until I got on the right side. But now listen, many who strive emotionally are grinding from the lower emotions. Mm -hmm. You can be grinding and turning and churning from the lower emotions and from the lower thoughts as well as you can be turning over or grinding where the higher thoughts are concerned. Mm -hmm. So it says here again, two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other shall be left. So one is grinding out from deep within herself. She's being taken from the lower to the higher. While the other one is left. She's left on the left side. She's not taken. And this is why people, when we talk to them about spiritual things many times, they have no clue what we're talking about. Because they're on the left. Yes. Yep. See? Yep. They're left. They're left. Yep. <laughs> They're left. left and then those that understand are those that have been taken yep. from whether it's the lower emotions, the mind that is thinking hardly, or the left side that's received the negative thoughts, or human reasoning, or mere intellect. They don't understand a thing we're saying right. simply because they're left. Exactly. <laughs> so the other's taken, they understand, but yeah. the ones that are left have no clue what Amen. we're talking about. Now, Amen. go to Genesis. <laughs> hang, hang on to Matthew 24 and go to Genesis chapter 5. Now, I'm talking about the feminine principle. It is in all people. I'm not talking gen uh, gender in the natural. I'm talking about that which is in all people. As I said, 
masculine gender just as much as men have a feminine gender, but it's all spiritual. And it takes the two to come together to produce or to birth out of our virgin consciousness the truth. Now, Revelation talks in several different places about virgins. What is it talking about? It's talking about not virgins in the natural. It's not talking about that. It's talking about virgins, the virgin consciousness that is joined with the Christ mind mm -hmm. and has birthed the man-child or birthed Christ, like Romans chapter 12, that woman there. She had the mind of Christ on. She had a, a crown with 12 stars, the mind of Christ. She was clothed in the S-U-N. She was so clothed that her energy fields were open. Amen. Her pineal was activated. Her, pine, her pituitary was activated. That energy rose up from the sacral area all the way up to the top. Yeah. Some call them chakras, but I like to call them the energy fields. And then it went to the right, just like the sun in the winter solstice goes down into the heart of the earth and is in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. It passes the crux or the crucifixion, the cross. It rises up, consumes Aries, which is the pineal, moves to the right, and summer comes. Spring comes and summer comes. Same thing happens as in the natural, so in the spiritual. Same thing happens in us. So I believe this woman in Revelation 12 had experienced that. She had the mind of Christ. Energy fields were open. Pineal was engaged. Pituitary was active. And she was in her earth. She was flowing. Amen. She was flowing in the land, her body with milk and honey. Amen. That's where we're headed. Now, what did I tell you? Genesis chapter 5. You can find that. Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And hurry real quick. Are you listening? Yes. Okay. Genesis 5, 1 and 2. This feminine part, okay, is in men as, as well as in women. Just as the masculine part is in women as well as in men. And look what it says here. It says, this is the book of the generation of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God, made he him... Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day, yeah. in the day that they were created. So yeah. that is referring there to making the feminine principle yeah. of spirit and the masculine principle of spirit in all people, in every Amen. person. Yes. Amen. He made the male and the female and he called their name Adam. So Adam yeah. had in him yeah. male and female. Yeah. And so when God took the rib, the chamber, the electron out of Adam, when you split the atom and take out the electron, there's a multiplication of life. Now, I'm not saying that there were natural people. I'm just saying, scientifically, that's what happened. Because the feminine principle was in Adam. And so God split the atom, took out the electron, the chamber is what it means, the electron, and there was the multiplication of all life. Amen. Now, that's referring again to the making of the feminine principle of spirit, which is in all people, and the feminine or the masculine principle, which is also in all people. It's in every person, male and female principle, for the purpose Listen, folks, that's what salvation is. Yes. It's, it's not to escape heaven yes. and heaven. Hello. Say that loud and clear. Yeah, say it. Salvation is not to escape hell and make heaven. What I'm talking about is salvation. Salvation, sozo, soteria, means deliverance. It means healing. It means health. And it's talking about health within us. Yes. In our awareness. When the two are joined together, you bring that health into your feminine principle. And you're going to birth something outwardly. Amen. From the inside, from the invisible to the visible. Now, go back to Matthew. In closing, first closing anyhow. So if, if the women grinding at the mill, of the women grinding at the mill, what is able to grind the wheat into the higher wisdom, from the lower wisdom, and another is not grinding the wheat, from the lower wisdom to the higher wisdom, that one is left. Yeah. Yeah. That one yeah. is left. The other one is taking. Amen. Taken. So there are two in the field. One is taken to the right side, taken to the right side, lifted up. That's a lifting up. That's a that's an ascending. Amen. You want to call it a rapture? It's a rapture. But not a literal rapture, a spiritual rapture. 
the one that's taken is raptured from the lower, from the left to the right. Yes. And the two are joined together. The one that is left is the one, and she's grinding at the mill too, but she's not experiencing the being taken. Why? I think the reason why, you know, I think, I've said this for years, you know what, we can hear too much. Yeah. Yeah. We yes. can hear too much and yes. get all confused. Yeah. And if we are listening to teachers right. of good and evil, which all of us did, yes. that's why we didn't progress. That's yes. why we never heard stuff like this. That's why there was no rapture. That's right. why there was no loving with a love embrace. That's why we didn't see that God preferred all men. That's why we didn't see we were chosen and called and saved from before the foundation of the world. Now, what does Jesus say all about that? He's talking about our mind, the Christ mind, in verse 42, and our feminine awareness. But now listen to what it says in verse 42. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Now let me read something that was written by the ancients. It's a little long, but let me read it. It was written by the ancients. It's in my Gaskells. And this is what it says. The real silence happens when you start watching the noise of your lower thoughts. <laughs> there is a constant traffic in the thoughts. Thoughts, memories, imaginations, thousands of desires. Traffic moving in all directions. I used to call it a parade, moving in all directions. If you can stand by the road and watch without any evaluation, judgment, or condemning something, or even without appreciating something. Just sitting on the bank of the river, watching the flow of the river, unconcerned, detached, just being a pure witness, then the miracle happens. Be aware of the body in its action, walking with alertness. Don't walk like a machine or a robot. When thinking, watch. Watch for thoughts that are moving. It reminds me of Joyce Meyer. She said, we need to think about what we're thinking about. She said that years ago. I never forgot that. We need to think about what we're thinking about. When thinking, watch. Watch what thoughts are moving. Just see what desires are spinning and weaving their nets around you. Go on watching. Go on watching how subtle dreams are moving like an undercurrent deep down in your subconscious. Watch your feelings and moves, how they suddenly arise from nowhere. Seems like from nowhere, right? Just a minute ago, you were full of joy, and now you're so sad. Just watch how it happens. See the bridge, how joy becomes sadness, and sadness becomes joy. I'm not saying to do anything. Meditate is not a doing. Meditation is not a doing. It's a pure awareness. But a miracle happens, the greatest miracle in life. If you go on watching, tremendous and incredible things start happening. Your body becomes graceful. Your body is no longer tense and restless. Your body starts becoming light. You can see great, momentous weights falling. Your body becomes pure of all kinds of toxins and, and poisons. You'll see your thoughts are no more as active as before. Its activity, its activity becomes less and gaps arise of which there are no more thoughts and these gaps are the most beautiful experience because through these gaps you start seeing things as they are without any interference of your lower thinking. Slowly, slowly your mood starts disappearing. You're no more joyous or sad and soon a moment of equilibrium is reached where you are no more sad or joyous. And that is a moment when bliss is felt. That tranquility, that silence, that balance there are no more peaks, no more valleys, no more dark nights, no more moon nights. All polarities disappear and you become settled in the middle. Reminds me of the clock. I have one of those clocks. I mean, it's not working right now. But when it comes to the center, it stops. And it gains its energy to go to the left and to go to the right. And all those miracles become deeper and deeper. And ultimately, when your body is in total balance, your thoughts are absolutely silent. Your heart is no more full of desires. A quantum leap happens, and suddenly you become aware of the fourth. And that is you, the fourth. You can call it the soul, God, or whatever you want to call it. But to experience it is the ultimate goal of life. And in that moment, all is life and life-giving. Your inner eye has opened. It is only through that single eye that that light, that one becomes aware of 
the truth in exists and liberates. Now, what I want to talk about, because if you've ever heard people talk about the third dimension and the fourth dimension, I want to just talk about that just a little bit. The third dimension, the third dimension is when you are still led by the lower emotions, intellect, reason, and logic. The fourth dimension, what does it mean to become aware of the fourth dimension? Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Yep. They were in the fiery furnace, heated seven times hotter than ever before. There were three that showed up in the fire, and all of a sudden the fourth showed up. Yeah. So that means, as what I read, that means that in the fire is your physical aspect, your any kind of a fire, your emotional aspect, your logic, but all of a sudden you, the fourth, the real life of you shows up. Yeah. And when the fourth shows up, you know the knower of the fear. Yes. You know the knower of the fear. That is so good. But you see, that only happens, as we read here in verse 42, as we watch, where it says, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Watching and expecting. And listen to verse 43, verse 43 of Matthew 24. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Now, what is the thief? The lower thoughts. Wow. Mere intellect yeah. that uses the left side in and of itself. Right. Logic, human reasoning. And like the clock, as I said, gets its energy from the center because it stops there momentarily. It gets its energy. So we need to get centered, right. and then the energy will begin to flow. Wow, that's so good. And as Dr. Wilson wrote... In New York Times, he said that once the pineal, and you know this already, once the pineal is activated, it kills cancer cells, it boosts the immune system, it causes the aging process to reverse, wow. it lightens the skin, and it activates or causes through meditation the single eye to be activated where we no longer see with the two eyes. The kingdom comes not with observation, folks, meaning it doesn't come with the seeing of these two eyes. Yes. It comes by the seeing of the single eye. Yes. So the word watch, as Jesus said, mystically means, allegorically means, to meditate, to contemplate, to ponder, to think on these things. And nowhere in the scripture does it say God's going to do that for you. Right. He's not going to make us meditate or contemplate. Right. He's not going to make us think on the things that are pure and righteous and holy and of a good report. He's not going to do that. We must be the ones to do that. Now, in closing, second closing, last closing, go back to Luke 17, 34. Luke 17, 34. So the allegorical reality then of Matthew 24, verses 40 through 43, what religion is taught is a removing or a rapture and there is a rapture on those that are taken, but they're raptured from the lower to the higher, yep, yep. from the left side to the right side. And as I said, that's why people understand when we talk to them, because they've been raptured from the left side in and of itself yes. to the right side, and the two have become one. Yes. It's not a taking off of this earth. It's not that kind of a rapture. Yep. Salvation is not to escape hell and make heaven. It has never been about that. It's about us birthing the man-child, the nature of Christ, through the joining together of the right and the left yep, side. Yep. Now, we see something similar here in Luke 17, 34. And look what it says here in closing. It says, I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken and the other left. The one shall be taken and the other left. Now, this is the same story that we read in... Uh, back in Matthew 24, and it begins by saying, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Well, what is the days of Noah trying to convey to us? Not that God brought a flood and destroyed the right. whole world except right. eight people. It wasn't about any destruction. First of all, God never brought that. If you read that properly, yeah. you will find that it says that the earth was filled with wickedness. Yes. Yeah. They created that scenario. Right. And the eight that were saved was because they built an ark, and the yes. ark represents the consciousness. Yes. And if you look at the dimensions of the ark and the fact that there was only a window, 
you know, in the ceiling, they had to look up. That's the only place they could look and see the outside was to look up. So God didn't bring that, just like he didn't kill anyone else in the Old Testament. Oh, that's allegorical. Just like he isn't the author of putting women down and demeaning women. It's because they read it allegorically. They didn't have to, but they did, and they created that scenario of women being degraded. So what this is talking about here, I'll read it again. I tell you on that night there shall be two men in one bed. One shall be taken, the other shall be left. And again, this is similar to what we read back in Matthew 24 because it begins with you know, the day of Noah and so forth. So what this is saying is there's one that is resting in the fact that he's been taken from a lower place to a higher place. Amen. And the other one that was left was resting in his self-righteousness. Oh, man! It is what? Because that's what comes out of the left side. Self-righteousness, intellect, human reasoning, logic, emotions. So one that was taken was resting in his rapture of being taken from the left side to the right side. But then it calls, and I'm going to read the whole verse, verse 37, they ask, where, Lord? In other words, where are they taken? Now, now you got to listen to this. This is what I found in Gaskell's. Here's what G.A. Gaskell says about eagles. Because it says they were taken where the eagles are gathered, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, here's... Eagles are symbolic of Holy Spirit. Yes. Yes, dove is too, but so are eagles. Let me read what G.A. Gaskell says. Eagles, a symbol... This is so good. Of the Holy Spirit, of our Holy Spirit. The quickens the word to us, that we can walk subjectively in it. Symbol of Holy Spirit, which flies, as it were, through the mind or air. Mm. We'll be caught up in the air. Caught up yep. in the air. Okay. Okay. Which, which flies, Holy Spirit, symbol of Holy Spirit, eagle is symbol of Holy Spirit, which flies, as it were, through the air or mind from the higher dimension, heaven, from the lower dimension to the higher dimension, right? And soars aloft to the Self, and in parentheses it was son, S-U-N. The message of the soul appealed to the higher side of the consciousness. It sped forth with a directness and sureness of aim that can be compared to the flight of an eagle, which is symbol of Holy Spirit descending. It took possession of the soul mightily so that it had to express outwardly that which was communicated to it from within. Then Gaskell goes on to say, Many a clergyman or pastor, while his Bible is on eagle's wings, the very symbol that tells him or her to carry it to the high spiritual dimensions, will give a wooden interpretation. Mm. Wood speaks of human. Wow. Will give a human interpretation. Wow. Yeah. In sacred symbolism, the eagle stands for that power of rising above the earth, the left side in and of itself, mm-hmm. above the physical and the human and the literal, into the high heavens of a rarefied faith, a mystic intuition, a penetrating imagination. Amen. Amen. That's the eagle. Wow. That's the eagle. A symbol of Holy Spirit which flies, as it were, through the mind or the air from the higher dimension, heaven, to the lower earth, to our left side, meaning becoming one. I read that a little bit wrong there. Becoming one. Holy Spirit flies to our earth. Quickens within our woman, our feminine principle, the importance of drawing from the Christ mind. And so that's what the majority have done with Matthew chapter 24, where we are concerned. They've made it all literal. They've taught it literally. And that is why people have relegated salvation to escaping hell and making heaven. Right. Because we have, as G.A. Gaskell said, we have had our scripture. And now I know the scripture, the real word of God is written in our heart. It's in us. But I go to my Bible to confirm what Holy Spirit has spoken. But let me read that again. He goes on to say, many a clergyman or minister, while his Bible is on eagle's wings, saying, I believe the word written in me is on eagle's wings, Holy Spirit, they very often will not carry the teaching of the scriptures to the high spiritual realms, but they'll keep it down in a human interpretation. And that's what we've done. And thank God we're beginning, finally. You know what? I have gone, I've been in ministry over, um, what, 40 years? 43 years, I guess. And 
seems like about every seven years, when I start coming into fresh truth and revelation, I think, wow, my ministry has just begun. <laughs> it's so fresh to me. Ministry yep. has just begun. Yep. 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 And I can tell you that in the last few years, I can honestly say, although I'm 73, almost 74, I feel like ministry has just begun. Yeah. It's just begun. Amen. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for your word, Amen. the Holy Spirit, that is making this word a reality within each and every one of our lives. Yes. That we can experience the joining. We can be taken in this in this spiritual, mystical rapture, and we can experience being taken from the lower up to the higher. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for that work. That we can subjectively birth the man child the Christ within each and every one of us. We bless you and we honor you. In the name of the Lord. Amen. 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 Oh, that was a mouthful. You know what I was hearing?